What does it actually mean to be a bad bitch? I'm your host, Valerie Martin, and if you're asking me, it means being fully alive, unstoppable, kicking ass at the things that light you up, and being permanently unavailable for the things that make you feel like shit. Whether you're a boss bitch business owner or just someone who goes hard on your personal and professional growth, buckle the fuck up and get ready to be inspired, challenged, and take action. Let's do this, boo. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Bad Bitch Therapist Podcast. I'm so happy that you're here because it means I'm not speaking into the void. (laughs) So I love getting messages from y'all, letting me know what's resonating, what you're liking, what you want to see and hear on the podcast. So please know that I listen, read, respond to every message if you'd like to reach out. I love meeting listeners. Let's see, where are we going? Well, first of all, my brain is a bit distracted by this crazy storm happening outside. So if I act a little extra weird in this intro, that's why. Hopefully we'll at least get some cool thunder noise out of it. There have been some pretty incredible thunder so far, and hopefully I don't lose my power. Moving on. Our guest today in this episode is Laura Long, and it really is, I think we describe it in the conversation, but it feels like such a full circle experience talking with Laura. I've considered her a friend tour for several years now. Uh, interviewed her in my What's the Fucking Point podcast in like 2018. I'll have to put that link in the show notes because it actually still exists on this same podcast feed. So uh, we'll include the link to that. I can't vouch for whether anything we say makes sense. I vaguely recall the conversation. I should listen back to it myself. But anyways, we've both grown and evolved over the years since then. And I'm so grateful for the support that Laura gave me at the beginning of my private practice with her course, Your Badass Therapy Practice. So I know many of you listening are not therapists, but if you are or know someone who is trying to do their own thing in the therapy world, please send them her way. She has some incredible resources. It's now offered in more of like an evergreen self-study format. And then she does a lot of live events, which we get into in the conversation conversation because I think it's really incredible that in these sort of, not post-COVID because it's still happening, but you guys know what I mean. In this world that we live in now where so much has shifted permanently to virtual, she's gone kind of the opposite way, which I think is really cool. So we'll hear from Laura all about that sort of process of evolution and just leaning into what we're curious about and what's resonating now and being open to the possibility that that changes over time. So instead of telling you what I'm watching, reading, and loving today, I'm going to tell you about a challenge that I've been doing over on socials. So this is one of those weird time lapse moments because by the time that you are hearing this, I will be two weeks into the challenge and it's a 30 day challenge. So it's not something that you have to like join for all of it. It's very informal. It started off as just something that I wanted to do for myself as a personal challenge. And then I was like, oh, but I could sort of like vlog it and share it. And then I was like, well, wait, why don't I invite people to join in with me if they want to? So no pressure. It's not something thing that you like have to sign up for an email list for. You just watch the video on social every day, which will usually be under a minute and a half. So basically it is a mental toughness challenge. And 
the gist of it, it, which you can listen to more on the reel that will be linked in the show notes, but the gist is that I believe that most of us could develop more mental toughness and grit and perseverance and it's not the same thing as just like hustle, hustle, hustle. It's the willingness to do something that's uncomfortable and to stick with that discomfort because you've determined that thing is worth it. And because we don't always have a lot of that innately and we have to sort of cultivate and grow that skill, it can be easy to get really frustrated and give up on things early. And that shows up in big ways in our careers and our lives. And it also shows up in little micro ways. And one of those little micro ways that it shows up for me is when a plank happens in a workout, whether it's like push-ups or doing any kind of like plank core exercise, I like mountain climbers, ugh, I just hate it. It feels so uncomfortable to me. I, I mean, I know probably most people people don't find it pleasant, but there's something about it to me that is like my kryptonite. And so I sort of on purpose decided I should lean into this because this is a very small, tangible way that I personally can develop more mental toughness, more willingness to be with it, to push myself, because here's the key thing, y'all. Just because I'm talking about it in the context of a physical thing, a plank, the limitation that is preventing me from staying with the plank is not physical. It's mental. It's, I don't like this discomfort, make it stop, I quit. And that is something that I want to work on. So this is a very tangible way for me to do it. So if that is intriguing to you, whether you just want to watch along and watch me suffer as the practices get harder over the month, you can do that. Even now that we're two weeks into it, you could pick up and join. You could join at day one. You could join now on the day that you're at when you're listening to this. Or if you're listening to this from the future, you can go back to the archives. Early April 2023, you'll see the videos and on TikTok and on Instagram, and you can play along. Or come up with your own mental toughness challenge and tell me about it. I'd love to hear what you come up with. So that's what I wanted to share with you about what I've got going on recently. And also, it does connect to one of the skills that I want to help people cultivate more of in my 90-day fire, excuse me, 90-day fire program. So that is my new coaching offering as of right now. And we'll see if I get this up sooner than this recording. But as of right now, it exists in a private page. So I have to send you the details. So if you'd like to know more about it, just send me a DM or an email rather than me sharing a link here because all of that is behind closed doors as of now. But that is something that I want to help people cultivate in that program is more of that grit, perseverance, and determination to stick with the hard things and get the results that they want. So let's get into our introduction for Laura Long. Laura Long is a licensed marriage and family therapist based in Greenville, South Carolina. She's also a business coach, speaker, and the lead badass at Your Badass Therapy Practice, where she helps ambitious type A therapists push through their fears and unleash their inner badass. Laura is best known for her off-the-cuff coaching style that includes colorful language, an irreverent sense of humor, and an uncanny ability to keep it real. 
Her unique approach to marketing and customer service challenges the status quo and helps therapists to become better business owners. She shows therapists how to grow and scale their practice without losing their minds because building your practice should be fun. You can find Laura online at yourbadasstherapypractice.com and on facebook.com slash yourbadasstherapypractice. And my personal goal and hope is that sometime in 2023, or 2024, because this year is flying, I will finally get to meet Laura in person. We've had a couple near misses for some IRL meetups and hoping it finally happens soon. Enjoy this conversation with Laura Long. Laura Long, I am appreciating your dance party. There's no music playing and yet no. we're dancing. <laughs> this is how we roll. We got to get right. pumped up. Mm. We make our own music here. It's fine. There's always music so, in my head, right? <laughs> I was just going to ask you the first question. What song do you have stuck in your head right now? Closing time. I don't know who sings it. Semisonic from like, yes. it's just, and it's just those, oh, the same line. If. Yeah. Do, 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 yeah just... Closing time. Yeah, I don't, I have no idea why. It's just in there right now. Yeah. And so you always have an earworm at all times. All, at all times, from the moment I wake up until I go to bed, there's a song in my head. It it, it might sound interesting or like that would be cool. Yeah. It's actually quite torturous because it's oh, always there. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's like earlier today, it, I was testing my mic. And for those of you on Zoom, when you're testing your mic and your sound to make sure it's working, Zoom plays this little riff. It's like a That was in my head for like a solid 10 minutes earlier and I just couldn't get it out, but it just plays over and over. So I tell my husband, like, it's a fun party trick. Like you should always ask me what songs in my head. And then he never does. And I want to tell him at any given time, but thank you for asking. Yeah, of course. And, and yeah, like, I mean, I don't have a 24 seven earworm, but definitely know the earworm experience. And Mine are like, some of mine are so random. The two that are the most random, I feel like, are the Austin Powers one. And then the like old Nokia one. People did not know when they clicked play on this podcast that they were going to get such brilliant musical. I know. And I'm usually, I'm usually in tune, but today I'm like, definitely I was not in tune with the closing time song. I just can't hit that high note. And because you're a big choir person, a singer. I am. I'm like a singer. So I also know when I'm out of tune or when the thing in my head is out of tune. It's, it's a lot in my head. And I, so I always have my phone on silent for that reason, because any tune that comes on my phone will become the new earworm. Yes. You better like it. Yeah. (laughs) Better be something I like. You like at the end of the episode with a good one. Thank you. Yeah. Just something (laughs) it's like catchy, but also pleasant because whatever you play, it's just going to be in there until the next one. You know, I can have one song for the whole day. It could just be three to five songs over the course of the day. And sometimes it depends on what's playing, but other times it's completely random. Like two days ago, I was just sitting there and all of a sudden I heard like, Josie's on a vacation far away. What's that song? I don't want to lose yeah. your love. That, it was just the whole fucking day <laughs> <laughs> hearing oh, your love from like the outfield. Yeah. I think that's the name of the band. It's like, it might, it might feel like really like uplifting and fun for the first 10 minutes. And then after that, it's just torture. It gets real old. You know, imagine going to a club 
but they just play the same song on repeat. Like the first 10 minutes, you're like, yeah, I'm into this. But after two hours, you're you're not into it anymore. No, no. So this is like, it feels like kind of a full circle moment. I meant to look and see when the last podcast interview we did for my old podcast, What's the Fucking mm-hmm. Point, which will be linked in the show notes because it is still on this same podcast feed. Good. But it had to have been like 2018. Yeah, I think so. Ago. <laughs> and it was exciting then. I'm so glad to just like see your evolution. You know, we're all evolving and changing as entrepreneurs. And so I just love that you're still doing the damn thing. Thank you. And and another full circle thing. I saw you just post the other day about wine live. Oh, vintage. <laughs> yes, and just like kind of, you know, honoring where we were then, even if we cringe a little at some parts of it, but also like the evolution is so cool. So yeah, I would just love to hear a little bit more about, well, I want kind of all the background, but even just right now, like your perspective on that, when you saw that pop up on your feed and you're like, Ooh, 2017, Laura and her robe, like how, how do you feel about it now? Yeah. Well, you know, Facebook does that, right. Every time you log in, it says, you know, on this, right. Mm -mm. Like so rude. (laughs) (laughs) On this day, five years ago, you were ranting and raving about X, Y, or Z on wine live. Right. So it showed the the video clip. And so of course, you know, I'm curious. So I start listening and I'm watching this old wine live I did in my old house. So there's like memories tied to that old house as well. And where I was at in life at that point with it, she wasn't quite a newborn, but she was like maybe a year old and now she's seven. So just like, I'm watching this video thinking about all of the context around it, not just what I'm saying, and, and what I'm saying in the video isn't all that cringe. It's a little cringe, but I saw myself like double fisting in the video too, wine and beer, Yeah, just very nonchalantly, like sipping on my white wine with ice and then reaching out with the other hand and drinking my like porter, like it's no thing. Yeah. And then just as, as the course of that wine live goes, you can tell I'm getting more intoxicated and I'm not saying anything that's like super embarrassing. Right. You know, I'm not like, I wasn't blackout or anything like that, but going back six years ago at who I was and how I've evolved. Yes. There was this dichotomy of a little bit cringe, mm-hmm. right? Like a little embarrassed at my presentation, And also sort of like proud of the badass bitch that showed up every single week in her robe, gave no fucks about what anyone thought and just kind of ranted and raved and we had fun. You were at some of them, right? Like it was a good time. It was a good time. So it's not all one or the other. I'm not like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed and horrified by what I said or whatever. Uh, There was also this moment of, wow, I've really grown. Thank God. Right. right? Thank God I have grown and, and thank evolved. God you didn't wait to start. Oh right? my God. That, yeah. That you started then because you were like, listen, this is, you know, and, and you were like delivering really great things and you still are. It's just like you said, not only has, have you evolved, your message has evolved and it's, mm-hmm. it's still like congruent. Like you're not like, Ooh, I figured out what's successful. And now I'm going to like tailor myself to that. Yeah. It's just like, it's an evolved version of it. Yeah. I think of myself as just slightly more refined than maybe I was six years ago, but you make an excellent point. Had I waited until I felt like my message was refined, I never would have started. 
I would have made it scarier in my head than it was. And that's part of why I'm so proud of you for just continuing to do this podcast. And it's evolving as well, just like you are, but it didn't, it didn't stop you from starting in the first place. Yeah. Amen. I'm interrupting the pod very briefly for a quick message about how to work with me. If you enjoy this podcast, then we would probably be a great fit working together. I would love to support you, whether you are a leader, a business owner, or just someone who wants to crush some of your goals over the next few months. Let's talk. I have several programs and would love to tell you more about them and learn what you are wanting to work toward. You can shoot me a DM, an email, find me online at badbitchtherapist.co. All right, let's get back to the episode. So as far as your whole path, (laughs) in terms of professionally, you started off as a therapist and, you know, you're still doing that, but you're also, Mm -hmm. you've also grown into all these other things, some of which I'm just, you know, these retreats and summits and everything. So I would love for you to just kind of give us the overview of your trajectory and what brought you here. Yeah. Yeah. So I've always wanted to be a therapist. I think some of us have that experience where like being 11 or 12, giving horrible advice to your peers, but thinking that it's great advice. Right. (laughs) And then thinking like, oh, I ought to do this, you know, because that's what being a therapist is, right? You just sit in a room and you just, you know, spit barking orders at people, tell them, yeah, tell them exactly how to live their life. And then they listen to you and then it's all great. So obviously that is not how it is, but my path to becoming a therapist was always quite linear. I knew that's what I wanted to do. I, you know, pursued it. I went and got my master's degree. Like it was all very planned out, structured, Of course, there were, what am I trying to say? Like dips in the road along the way, you know, challenges. Am I going to fail this class and never become a therapist? But lo and behold, I became one. And so that, that story, I'm sort of blowing by it a little bit because I want to focus more on the last couple of years into the future. So I will just say that in general, my path to becoming a therapist was, was pretty clear cut and it was what I wanted to do. And I thought that I would have to be really old and gray before I could go into private practice. Luckily, the universe had other plans and sort of threw me into it in 2013, and I never looked back. I started consulting in around 2016, 2017, first locally with friends who are wanting to leave their soul-sucking agencies, you know, and go into private practice. And then eventually I created this online brand and that's how you and I got connected, right? Your badass therapy practice. And I did that for a really long time and I'm still technically doing it, but I think it was over the pandemic, you know, 2020 changed a lot for most of us. I would think it caused a lot of us to look inward. And I remember 2020 actually balancing the fear of the unknown while also really enjoying not having any pressure placed on me to do anything. Mm. So I didn't place pressure on myself to do anything new or to like, we were all just trying to survive. At least I was. Mm. So I I wasn't thinking too far ahead. Like what's my, what's the next launch going to look like, or what's the next course that I'm going to put together the next mastermind. I was really just living in the moment with my family. I was gardening, which I'm like, a crazy obsessive garden lady. It's it's a whole thing we can talk about later. Yes. So I spent most of 2020 just playing in my garden, also feeling nervous and worried at the state of the world and not wanting to go out in public because I wasn't sure about everything and like masks were scary to me. But I would say that that's the turning point at which I decided that I really was due for a change. And I I didn't quite know what that change was, to be honest with you, but there was just these like 
I don't know, maybe most entrepreneurs experience this like inner rumbling of something's not quite how we want it to be. I don't have anything to complain about. I'm still happy. And yet I feel like there's something beyond what I'm doing right now. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah. And I feel like that's (laughs) where I've been the past few months. Like Mm -hmm. I built this like group practice that I'm so proud of. I love my team. I'm not Mm -hmm. done building it. it. It still needs my attention, but it's that rumbling. I started thinking of like, it's like you've eaten one too many tacos and (laughs) your body is just like, something's not quite right here. Yeah. Like I just knew that like, okay, something else wants to be created and it's not Mm. just pouring all of my energy into this thing that already exists. Yes. That's exactly what my experience was. Something was pulling at me and I wasn't quite sure what that was. I think I resisted it at first and in, I'm trying to think now what year it was, but maybe it was 2021. I came across a billboard for a local university, actually my alma mater where I went for my undergrad is Clemson University. There was a billboard and it was advertising an MBA program specifically in entrepreneurship and innovation. I thought, oh, that's pretty fucking interesting. Like, let me look into that. Long story short, I enroll in the program and everyone asked why. (laughs) What? <laughs> you already are an entrepreneur. You're already doing these things. Like, why would you want to go back? Like, you don't need an MBA. You're not going to get, you are your own boss. You can't get a pay raise mm-hmm. from having an extra degree. Right. Yeah. So it, it was fascinating to me how many people were not super supportive of that. Not, it didn't affect them at all, but a lot of people were just, why would you do that? You know, what are you doing? What, what is your purpose? What is your reason? And at first it gave me pause because I didn't quite have a reason. It was just that grumble, right? It was like the inner something is, is kind of reaching for you and you don't quite know what it is, but I was willing to take that risk because I figured I didn't have a whole lot to lose. And so going through that program, I wouldn't say that it's been transformational. I don't want to painted as this like romanticized idealistic version of what school is. It's hard, you know, it's, there have been times where I felt like I really wasn't learning a lot. There've been other times where I felt like what I'm learning isn't super relevant and it's still a practice in being committed to something and seeing it play out. So I'm in my last class now, here we are 2023 taking my last class. I have a capstone project and I'll graduate this summer and through that experience, I don't, I don't attribute this to the degree, but I do attribute it to my own inner exploration during the same time as I was getting this degree. I've learned that I need to just lean into what is pulling at me in the moment and be a little bit more present rather than spending so much time focusing on what the next step is or what the end goal even is. Because remember, for the whole you know first half of my life, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a therapist, and there is a clear cut path for that. And now I'm learning that my next stage or my next chapter of entrepreneurship isn't going to be that clean cut. And I'm also learning to be okay with that. So I'm doing a lot more in person retreats because I fucking love doing them. Yeah, they're super fun. I primarily have therapists coming to them because that's who I know. That is who is following me. I'm still doing practice building stuff. My course that was live is now on sort of like an evergreen Mm self-paced version. So people are still able to go through it, but it doesn't have that same level of intensity as it did back when you went through it. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, I exactly know where the future is taking me. I don't know what the trajectory looks like. I have some ideas that are kind of bubbling up to the surface and I'm just for the first time in my life, letting them marinate and not feeling like, 
I have to immediately take action on something. And I'm liking this. That's (laughs) awesome. It's like, I'm like soaking in the medicine because really it's in the world that we're in, whether it's the sort of therapy entrepreneur world or just the general, like you could coach anyone on anything and where might Mm -hmm. you do that? And would you do that online? And would you do that through high ticket programs or through whatever? Like there's a million options and it's very easy to like, look at the people you deem as successful in that and be like, okay, how do I get to where she is? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, yeah, it's helpful to maybe explore like, what are the different options? But since you're at a place where you're kind of like, okay, like some of these options are presenting themselves or, you know, you know how to connect the dots and make something happen. And Mm -hmm. the other thing I think that's so cool, at least about the chapter that you're in right now with the in-person stuff is like, gosh, it's, it's kind of the opposite of what a lot of the, of the fields, I mean, many fields are are moving in, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's more online, it's more online. And of course, you know, there's a lot of benefits of that, of lower costs, because people are not having to travel. You can have like connect with so many brilliant people without having to leave your own city, but we all need to connect in person. And so those in-person events are like, especially, I mean, yeah, you can learn great stuff. Hopefully you do. In fact, I just saw that you posted your talk from the Royal Connection Summit that just happened recently. So I have that like pulled up in my YouTube. I haven't started watching it yet. (laughs) It just went live, but I'm excited to watch it. So, and that's another cool thing is like, if you can't be there, a lot of times there's still ways to access that content. Mm -hmm. But yeah, instead of just like going online because that's easier, it's lower friction, it's lower, you know, kind of upfront capital risk. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you're leaning into the opposite of let's let's like see each other in the flesh and get to connect like in real life. It's amazing. And I can't wait to come to one of them. Yes. And I love to connect with people who like yourself, who I've known in some capacity online for a long time. I'm meeting clinicians who I helped build their solo practice five or six years ago. And now they have a group practice, or they're doing something completely different in the realm of mental health. And we get to just like have nostalgic conversations about where they were five or six years ago, but this time in person. And it's just really great. So I love doing these in-person events. I will continue to do them. I feel like a little world traveler, jet setter, if you will, (laughs) because I'm going to like Boston and I get to go to Italy next month. And I'm going to London at the end of the year. And it's, it's just, I felt for a very long time, like I had to know exactly what the next step was. And I put a lot of pressure on myself at that point to always be hustling towards that. And I think one thing that the pandemic taught me is that I no longer have to do that. And I'm allowed to stay in this space of uncertainty and ambiguity and still have fun and still be creative. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can also be agile, you know, if, if whatever the thing is that you're trying, like, doesn't feel great or doesn't work out like, cool, you can shift course. You haven't like Mm -hmm. committed your whole five-year plan to that. Yeah. Yeah. And online right now, more so than ever before, I think there is a lot of noise and you were sort of alluding to it earlier. When you look at all these people who are doing things or all these people who you might be looking up to, regardless of the industry they're in, it's easy to get wrapped up in this comparison trap of, oh my gosh, I need to be putting out more content or I need to be posting more frequently. I need to have this, that, or the other content or this platform. And one thing that I like about the space I'm in right now is I don't feel that pull. Like I'm allowing myself to just be, to finish out my MBA program, 
to do these in-person events and to not necessarily have a three to five year plan of where I'm going with it. And I'm okay with that. Cool. Yeah. And I know that social media has always been sort of a a hot topic with you and like the pressures of like, you got to do this and you got to do this. And, and yes, you, you do stuff on Facebook and a little on YouTube, I guess, but it's like where you've really committed is like your, the way that you talk to people in email, right. And connect with Mm -hmm. people authentically in that way. I know you're a big Seth Godin fan. Um, And I'm curious if like over the years, since I've heard you talk about it, is your opinion on Instagram still the same? (laughs) (laughs) So my opinion is still the same for me. Yeah. Right. So, and for those of you who probably don't know, I've never been a huge fan of using a ton of social media, or I've never been a huge fan of therapists or entrepreneurs feeling the pressure to post in all of these different platforms. So it's not that I have anything against any one platform, you know, I'm not anti-Instagram, but I will say that I see a lot of entrepreneurs who are trying to grow their audience and they feel this pressure to be posting. I call it marketing tactical hell. So they just feel like, okay, I have to be posting here, 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 and here. And I have to have all these connected and I have to put out this amount of content every single day, as if it's this very formulaic approach. Mm -hmm. And that to me is just inconsistent with the kind of branding that I want to be. Like, I want to teach you to do things that feel good for you. And you're going to attract the kinds of clients or customers who are also in that same place where that feels good for them, if that makes any sense. So just putting all this pressure on ourselves to be everywhere at the same time just leads to burnout. And so, yes, for me, I still, I still believe that sticking to one or two platforms and creating value, even if the consistency isn't there, you know, that's very contradictory. People will say it's all about consistency and how you post or how frequently you post. And I I see a value in that, but I think that there are a lot of people who are burning themselves out before they even get traction because they're following this formulaic approach that someone may have told them. Right. Exactly. And like one of my coaches says, social media is not a business strategy. So it might be a piece that helps you to connect with people. And it might be stuff that like, oh, I created this for this. And now I can use that same thing in my email or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. It can have it, you know, it can be useful and hopefully even fun if you're going to do it. Yeah, Um, I hope so. A business strategy in and of itself, Mm -hmm. which unfortunately I feel like is, you know, people are like, okay, this is what I do. Right. And why I kind of single out Instagram. I mean, I've gone through the you know, all the roller coaster phases with it where I left entirely for six months and came back. And, and now I'm trying to be playful with it and have fun with it and like almost yeah. bring out that performer side. And and it is fun, but sometimes that pressure creeps in. And I think what makes Instagram so insidious in particular is that there's like, not just what it used to be five years ago of like, you know, have a beautifully curated like feed of images and text, Mm -hmm. but now it's, you got to do reels and you're doing carousel posts and you're doing like, there's so many things that it's like, oh, if I want to create, you know, well-rounded content here, it's like, you could spend a lot of hours doing that. And if you enjoy it, great. But you know, if you're doing it because you think you're supposed to, and that's, what's going to build your business, like those same hours could probably Mm -hmm. do a lot more for you elsewhere. 
Amen. I'm just like snapping girl. (laughs) Yeah. I think we lose sight of the meaning behind it all and our bigger purpose and our why, if we're only focused on like, okay, how many times do I need to post? What do my color schemes need to be? How many reels do I need to do? So yeah, I'm not the coach who's going to say, here's the strategy and what, and, and how you do it. And I do agree social media in and of itself, like just saying social media, that is not a business strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know you talk a lot about, as as you would say it, the mental fuckery of just yes. overall <laughs> business building and all the things that can go into that overwhelm, imposter syndrome, comparison, mm-hmm. all, you know, perfectionism, all of that. So I don't know if there's anything that like, as you've worked through so much of that and you help other people work through that, any mm-hmm. golden nuggets that you'd like to share. Mm. And I do talk about this at the Royal Summit uh, recording that I just posted. So I'm going to try not to give too much of it away. But first of all, it's just the normalization of it. Mm -hmm. So we all experience the mental fuckery, overwhelm, (laughs) imposter syndrome, perfectionism, um, procrastination, all these things in my mind, you know, they're just things that keep you further from your goal. They keep you feeling like you have to stay small or they keep you in a place of fear And of course, making fear-based decisions for our business are never, I mean, it's never going to be good if I'm doing something just out of scarcity or comparing myself to other people. Those are all just sort of like just lumping it all into the the category of mental fuckery. So first of all, just normalizing that we all as entrepreneurs experience it and we'll continue to experience it no no matter how much of our own therapy we enter into. So it's just a matter of recognizing when it's coming up. And you are so good, Valerie, especially in your solo episodes of giving people actionable strategies that they can implement, like even saying, hey, pause this episode right now, write down X, Y, or Z. So first it's identifying, okay, I'm in this place really of like, why am I scrolling like mindlessly through social media, just looking at other people who are maybe in the same sandbox as me, who have similar offers to me. Oh man, I'm heading into this like comparison trap, zero sum game, scarcity mentality. Okay. What do I need to be doing right now to get out of that? Because this isn't helpful for me because all of that can lead to overwhelm and overwhelm in my mind is the most prevalent mental fuckery trap that we fall into for a variety of reasons, but we can overwhelm ourselves and then we take no action. Right. Which, yeah. You know, paralysis. That's a solo episode that I just did before this really was on (laughs) five steps to overcoming overwhelm. And you know, it's like, I, I kind of laugh because I say in the episode, like, it's not about like you do these five things one and done and you're good. You never have to worry about this again, but more this sort of repeatable process of what are the the things that I need to be aware of that can help me from falling into the same hole or when I find myself in the hole, how I can mm-hmm. climb out. Yes. And overwhelm as an experience is iterative. Like it's something we will forever experience as we're leveling up, as we are evolving, sort of just to like nod to the beginning of today's episode that we are evolving as entrepreneurs. And thank God, right? Because if I was the same person I was back when I was doing Wine Live six years ago, I would have not experienced any growth personally or professionally, if I was still the exact same way. So even though a lot of what I teach is the same, or at least similar in concept, at least I feel like I've been congruent in what I've taught. I've also grown and refined some of my teachings. So 
with overwhelm or any other piece of mental fuckery that comes your way, maybe understanding that when you experience it now, six months from now, 12 months from now, et cetera, you might experience it a little differently than you did the first time it'll come up. And then how do we like, how do you handle it in that moment? So you recognize that it's coming up for you. You take a step back, you engage in some sort of like self-love. What do I need? I loved your episode where you talked about sort of the balance of having self-compassion and being maybe more of like a parent to yourself while also being a bit of a coach and knowing for yourself as an individual, when do you need a little bit more of each? So for me, I tend to be extremely hard on myself and I'll have this inner critic. You may remember I call her bitchy Brenda. Yes, (laughs) She sucks. She's still there. (laughs) And so for me, when I'm, when I'm entering into this season and I'm noticing that there's more mental fuckery than there has been. And I'm seeing that I'm getting overwhelmed rather than beating myself up over it, which I have a tendency to do. I need to engage in a little bit more self-compassion. And so that's about just having mindfulness based practices around your day-to-day life, because I can't, I can't propel in business or personally, if I'm just stuck in it, if I'm just sitting there and like self-loathing, right. I have to move through it. And it's not about avoiding overwhelm. You can't, right? That's every, every season, every chapter of your business, you're going to experience some form of overwhelm, whether it's through procrastination or comparison trap, you know, I can go on all day, but it's, it's how do we move through it in a way that still practices self-compassion and not just like pushing through and not hustling through that, Mm -hmm. that just sort of it like plugs the hole temporarily. And then once you let go, it just like, right. Like I hustled just, through to get on top uh, of my inbox. Uh-huh. Guess what's coming tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> There's just, plug. yeah, it's like 40 other things that, that are going to come. So I was actually just talking with another fellow podcaster. I think it was like last week on her show about as you level up in business, you start to realize that your to-do list is not something that will ever be complete. When you're an employee, you most of the time can end your day or end your work week having checked off everything. And once you become an entrepreneur, that doesn't exist. And the longer you do this, which I think is the goal of entrepreneurship is to keep playing. Like my goal is to always be an entrepreneur, no matter in what capacity. But that also means that whatever to-do list I have for myself will be endless and it will only grow. So I have a choice to make. What am I going to delegate? What am I going to automate? What am I going to let go of? But there is no checking off and just clearing it and being done and heading into my weekend with absolutely nothing to do. So becoming okay with and accepting of that, I think is a really huge way to overcome overwhelm. Yeah. Because you start to realize, okay, I don't actually have to finish all of these things. And if I'm in a place where I actually do need to finish all these things, then that's information that I need to start hiring or sure. I, need, I need some hands on deck here. I can't do it myself. Yeah. Right. While you're like on the way there of figuring out like how to, like how you can know when, okay, yeah, I've done enough. Cause I'm never going to finish mm-hmm. the list, but I've done enough. And for yep. some people that might be a time boundary, mm-hmm. but one of the, one of the ideas that I really like from Jen Loudon, who's an author she calls it conditions of enoughness that sometimes Ooh. in these like roles where it's sort of never ending, we have to decide, we have to name and say, mm-hmm. okay, for this day or for this like 
chunk of the project that I'm trying to accomplish this week, I have to define what enough is because otherwise I'm just, I'm going to work really hard and then I'm going to still feel like I didn't get enough done. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it's so defeating. So it is decide in a human scaled way, like what, how can I decide what enough is for this, this time bound, you know, day or week or whatever. And then, uh, you know, anything else is like icing on the cake. But if you hit that point and you're done, like go live your life. Yes. And here's what I do. And I'm by no means perfect at this, but at the end of each day, each working day, I look at what I did for that day. I look at what's coming ahead for the next day, whether it's appointments, sessions, things that I need to write or record, whatever the case is, but I will pick the top three things that I need to do for that next day. And then I add a little like mindset piece to it. Mm -hmm. I look at that list of three things. Sometimes it's four. And I pretend that I'm actually setting up a to-do list for the next day for an employee rather than it just being for me, because I'll always give myself more work to do than what is humanly possible. But I do this little like mindset trick and I look at what's on the list for tomorrow and I say, okay, Laura, employee, this is on your list for tomorrow. And I kind of put myself in the, in the position of being an employee at my own business and say, is this reasonable? Does this make me excited to come to work tomorrow as an employee? And if not, what are the changes that I need to make in like by way of delegating or automating or starting to say no to some things? And I've, I've gotten better at saying no, but I'm not great all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Still a work in progress there. And I love that little role shift kind of mind trick. I've also heard that in terms of like stuff that you want to buy as a business owner. I mean, Mm -hmm. some people, everyone's got their own money stuff and some people like they don't have to worry about like overspending because they're doing the opposite and they're just being like super frugal. I don't have that problem. (laughs) So, you know, but it's like, okay, well, if I had to go and ask my boss, Hey, can I buy this? Hey, can I buy this? Like I wouldn't Mm -hmm. do that. Right. Like for, I would like save it for the thing I really wanted. And even then I'd be like, Oh, I got to make sure I come at the right time. I can't come when she's in the middle of a project. So why would Mm -hmm. I do that to myself as the business owner? Exactly. Yeah. So just pretending in that moment that I'm an employee, how am I feeling about the list that I've given to myself as the boss? And do I feel like that is reasonable? Sometimes that can help because again, if left to my own devices, I'm going to put 47 things on my plate for the next day. And as you pointed out, I'm not going to be able to get it all done. And then I'm going to go through my own shame spiral, which isn't helpful for me. And it's certainly not helpful for my business or the people that I serve. If I'm coming to the business from this place of like shame and like feeling awful that I didn't get enough stuff done that day, or I didn't record the thing that I said I was going to do. So yeah, just balancing the self-compassion with that like driver muscle that's already pretty well formed in me. Yeah. Yeah. So for our last little topic for the conversation, what would you like to go off about today, Laura? Oh, girl, let me take a sip of this water and I'm going to go off. Mm -mm. So I want to go off on the phrase, kick your brain. Mm. (laughs) How much time do I have? (laughs) Uh, Regardless of what stage of entrepreneurship you're in when you're listening to this podcast, whether you're towards the beginning of your journey or you're a seasoned vet going through this, you are either going to be on the receiving end of this statement, or you're going to be the one reaching out to someone asking 
for advice, suggestions, whatever. And you may use the term pick your brain. First of all, we should never be picking people's brains without first picking our form of payment because someone worked incredibly hard to get the knowledge and life experience that you are wanting from them. So regardless of the topic, if you're going to ask someone to pick their brain, you must also, in my mind, initiate how you are going to have an energy exchange with them in the form of payment. So that's my rant number one related Mm -hmm. to that. Rant number two, if you are going to someone to pick their brain because they've maybe done something that you're looking to do, make sure that that person has built their business or done the thing that you're looking for help with in the exact way that you also want to do it. So if you are picking someone's brain, but they've built their business using a completely different strategy than you, or their business model is completely different from yours, it's not only possible, but highly likely that the advice you're going to get from them is going to make you question your decision. Because let's say, for example, you're wanting to create a business where maybe it's a a health-related industry or service-based industry, and you choose not to go the insurance route, and you're picking the brain of someone who is taking insurance, they have a very different practice than you. And so you might be telling them some of your goals, your dreams, your visions for how you want to serve your community and all of the exciting things that you want to be able to do for them. Well, if you're sitting down with someone who's maybe more bound by some contractual limitations of insurance and they tell you, oh, there's no way you could do that or no one's going to pay for that, then you're going to leave that meeting feeling like shit. So not only do you need to be willing to pay for great advice, but you also have to be very strategic with who you're getting advice from. And that person should not be your spouse unless they're doing the exact same thing you want to do. It should not be your parents, your sister, your maid of honor. Like it should not be anybody unless it's someone who has built their business in the exact same way you want to build it. And you must also pay for that advice. Rant over. Love it. Drop the mic. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> yes. Thank you for giving me that soapbox time. Love Feel it. Feel a little better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could go on forever, but want to respect your time and everybody listening. Tell us where the people can find you and what they should be watching out for from you. Yes. Find me at yourbadasstherapypractice.com. Join my email list. I actually send emails that are worth reading. Yes. They are funny. They are sometimes filled with lots of interesting, colorful language, which I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, that's totally fine with you. If I'm ever doing an in-person event, my email list is the first place I go to announce it. So I'm usually posting in an email before I'm ever sharing anything publicly. So if you're wanting to get in on a retreat or a summit opportunity or anything related to courses, masterminds, you name it, my email list is where you're going to find it first. So yeah, I'd love to connect with anyone who wants to. <laughs> Amazing. From yeah. one bad bitch to another mm. bad bitch. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Valerie. It was so fun to be here. Thanks for having me. Hell yeah, friend, you made it to the end. I so appreciate you tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode, make my day by subscribing and leaving a five-star review to help other people find this podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to grab my free video training on how to get shit done toward your high priority goals without getting distracted or stuck by ADHD or squirrel brain. Just head to badbitchtherapist.co 
slash three tips. That's .co slash the number three tips. You can follow my antics on TikTok at Bad Bitch Therapist and on Instagram at the same, but with dots between the words. Thanks so much for being here. Now go out there and have a great fucking day.